Machute Mate recognizes the traditional owners of the land on which we are recording. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and any indigenous elders of other communities who may be listening today. We stand in solidarity in their struggle towards the colonization and land back. Buenas mi gente, machete mate, back with the current events episode, a little bit different, what's good everybody, Guess like a I, um, good news, the whole gang's here, and a plus one, but we'll get to that, but before we do, um, we are um, celebrating a special day, a special birthday, so if everyone can join me in saying happy birthday to the one and only People's Republic of China. <laughs> Over the course of 80s, whatever many years, they've lifted billions of people. No, I'm just kidding. We're talking about Austin here, of course. Yo. He's going to cry if I don't, if I don't mention that Hold it was up. his birthday. I was about to say, it's dangerous mentioning me and China in the same sentence, bro. That's a dangerous thing to say these days. I don't think you want to go down mm, that road. Uh, it was, though. Uh, you, you are correct. My birthday was yesterday, and my birthday does coincide with the establishment of the People's Republic of China. Fun fact, everybody. Thank you, Lee. Thank you for pointing that out, Leroy. There you go. That's what I, that's what I do here. Anyway, thanks for joining us today. Um, again, it's good to have everyone here today. We're going to have a really interesting conversation. Again, it's going to be a little bit different. We're not going to structure as we usually do with the different stories. Today, we're going to be talking a lot about Puerto Rico because there's been a lot going on. Um, so if there's one thing we like to talk about is about Puerto Rico, which is why we always make the mistake of starting off with it. Today, we're just going to make an entire conversation about it. Um, but, but before we do... If you enjoy what, what we do, you want to support what we do, um, again, you want to support me in being a stay-at-home dad and help us get the projects off the ground, you want access to our book club that's actually meeting tomorrow, right? That's chapter right. three, chapter four of um, Building the Commune. Um, right. If you want access to the Discord community and all that good stuff and the After Dark episodes, consider showing your solidarity on our Patreon, patreon.com slash machete mate. Um, it'd be greatly appreciated. If not, we'll just be happy to, we're just, we're just happy you just tune in and listen to us and hopefully every, each time we take something away and um, pass it on to the world. Um, but with that said, I'm Leroy coming from unseated Nomland, so-called Melbourne, Australia here with the homie T. What is good T? How's it going everyone? And of course the um, self-proclaimed messy of the group, Austin was good. Bro, no, I'm dropping the messy bit. It's not funny. No, you guys, we are all co-captains here. We believe in equality. I love both of you. I am. Not, we're all three messies. We are a team of three messies that are all capable of sinking in free kicks whenever we need to. So thank you, Leroy. I'm, I'm happy to be back. Glad to have you, bro, for, for those reasons. And as previously mentioned, we're joined by our dear friend, dear comrade in front of the show, show veteran paul figueroa what is good paul uh, feet are a little sore after yesterday's protest you know I, I try i try to go with like the whole like politician look you know i went with like actual pants to a protest and actual <laughs> shoes and not not my, not my orthopedic sneakers and i'm, I'm feeling Feeling it today. Exactly. Feeling the edge today. Um, but yeah, so like Paul said, we have him on to talk a little bit about that, a little bit about the context of the protests that took place yesterday and their plan for the future as well. Um, he wrote a fantastic article. Um, we'll link to it. Um, we, we've shared it before, so definitely have a read of that. It has provided a lot of good context, a lot of good perspective of the history of the privatization of um, the electrical grid you know, within the context of colonialism, capitalism, neoliberalism, Hurricane Maria and all that stuff. Um, so really happy to have Paul on to talk a bit about that. We'll definitely shoot the shit about that and make fun of some people, of course, uh, as well. Um, but with that said, we'll just we'll just kick it off. So what are what do you, Paul, what are, what are you seeing? Like what's going on? Like what's the vibe? What's the mood? Before you give a little bit of context, like what's the general feeling? Because I know leading up to it, like the, the days leading up to it, even just from seeing online on Twitter, it felt like there was, it was like a pressure cooker. Like it was about to explode. 
and I still feel that. It, I feel like the pressure was released a little bit because of the protests yesterday, but it still feels like there's it's about to boil over. Is that what you're feeling, or? Um, I, I think we need to be a little careful about how we talk about it um, in terms of maybe creating this expectation that things will blow over or, or blow, not blow over, blow up in a, in a Ricky Renuncia type sense, right? Because yeah. if you think of like the summer of 2019, uh, you know, all of these scandals broke out. And, and even before it was the chat, it was uh, Julia Kelleher and the money laundering and it was, it was all these other factors that were happening. Um, that really the only way that you could solve it was by getting rid of Ricky, right? Uh, with Luma it, it, and the electric grid, which is what these protests were about, it was about rolling blackouts in Puerto Rico, leaving hundreds and hundreds of thousands of clients without electricity. If the blackouts stop, even momentarily, well then, well, then you create less of an incentive to fix the problem, which is disaster capitalism and privatization, right? So we saw last exactly. week um, where... There, there were a bunch of blackouts and there, there was, you know, this tension that, that, that was kind of coming to this uh, climax, I guess you could say. And then we had the protest on Friday, yesterday. Um, but as the week has gone on, the, the blackouts have been less and less. So I, I do think that we are at a point where there is a lot of tension. I do think we have a point where there is a lot of potential to bring this into a bigger conversation about what, what does privatization mean in Puerto Rico? What, what is the context of this place in colonialism? But I think if we're coming into it with the expectation that it's going to happen in the way that 2019 did, yeah. um, I, I'd be very weary uh, of, of saying that's a place that we're at right now. No, that's, that's a very, very good point. Um, and I guess it's one of those things that Ricky Rosselló, everything that was going on there, it was sort of that constant in everyone's face where with something with power with when it comes to essential services, people are ready to, you know, flip out when things are bad. But once things seem to be better, they sort of like, oh, okay, well, you know, it isn't, you know, just be patient, maybe it'll fix until that next time. Um but um yeah, go ahead, T. So not to move the conversation on, but so we've been having, you know, the islands have been experiencing these blackouts. We know that there's been an ongoing privatization efforts, uh, especially related to the grid. Um, could, you know, let's get some context here uh, for the situation. Now, again, aware this is a very long story. The privatization of the grid has actually been a goal of the right wing in Puerto Rico and the, you know, the eternal eye of Washington, D.C. for decades now, even yeah. before, uh, you know, their actual successes in 2017 and 2018. But if you could, you know, basically what I'm asking you is how did we get to this situation of of basically every like once a month there's a blackout somewhere uh, on the islands? Like, how do we get here? Well, well, well it's definitely more than once a month. Um, and, 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 yeah. you know, that's just <laughs> right. Right. But, um, you know, we, we lose power quite regularly um, on the island. Uh, and what what has gotten there, what has gotten us there, like you said, is this long this long-term uh just destabilization of the electric grid by the politicians themselves um, so then we saw in hurricane maria when it took so long for for uh, electricity to get restored that you know the the right-wing politicians in puerto rico jumped on that to say well now is our opportunity to privatize the grid because there's a lot of animosity towards the electric grid towards the electric workers right um, so the privatization process started in 2018. It wasn't completed until June 1st of this year, um, which coincides with uh, right before the elections, uh, Trump designated, I think it was about $13 billion to the reconstruction of the electric grid. Uh, so really, it's perfect. If you're a person that, that's trying to make quick money, right, you destroy the system, you get $13 billion to fix the system, but since the system's destroyed, you can sell it really cheaply, give them $13 billion, and then since the system's destroyed, they can raise the prices, and they, 
it's a, it's a wonderful money maker if that's what if that's the business you're in, right? Because not Textbook. only right, because because you can raise the prices as much as you want, because you're the only company. Because there's only one energy company in Puerto Rico right now, and that's Luma Energy. So they're charging whatever they want. They got $13 billion handed to them and they were able to get it cheaply because, you know, it was a company that was left in shambles. Um, The recent power outage uh, that kind of sparked all these protests was uh, because the filters that the Palo Seco energy plant uses that gets water from the ocean, the excuse was that they were filled with seaweed. Yeah, I saw that. you know, that that's 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 why they couldn't produce the energy is because of seaweed. Those pipes that get the water from the ocean, they have been supposed to have been repaired for 10 years. The federal funds were there 10 years ago to fix them under the Fortunio administration, and it was never used for that. Right. So that's just an example of how before privatization, you're creating the circumstances where these types of uh, situations occur and then just you know then then they're able to justify raising prices which is what luma is trying to do they're proposing a 16 percent uh, energy hike um, starting next month and it's october luma took place in june and it's the fourth time they've raised uh, the price of electricity in puerto rico in in three months truly incredible and if i if i if i remember correctly too um there have been labor disputes. Uh, they replace the. They essentially replace the union that was representing uh, uh, some of the electrical workers. Am I am I getting that correctly? There's been weird disputes, even not just against management, but also between labor unions. Um, yeah, yeah. So the, so there is a dispute over um, which union will get the negotiating rights and the exclusivity with with Luma. Um, also they have been, uh, Luma has been sending over union scabs, uh, yeah. from the United States, uh, to do the work, uh, of Puerto Rico's electric workers. Uh, again, you know, it, it's, it's taking advantage because the ones that are coming from the United States are often getting paid a lot more than what the Puerto Rican workers make. And a lot of these American workers that come that don't know the context of what's happening in Puerto Rico, they say, oh, well, I'm getting paid to you know, work in the Caribbean. Why not? Um, but definitely not the type of union solidarity that uh, Puerto Ricans should be getting. Yeah, I was going to say real quick, it's uh, correct me if I'm wrong. It's workers from IBEW scabbing uh, for uh, or I guess against UTR workers. Right. Um, how is like. How has UTR like responded? Like I see like just from people I've talked to and like things I've seen going on in the islands, like I feel like I almost can't conceive of a world in Puerto Rico where like UTR is like phased out of existence. But like it feels like that's what is trying to be made to happen, which like kind of like blows my mind. (laughs) Like how has UTR like been reacting to that? And especially with once again with IBEW, which you'd think there would be some sort of like union solidarity, but apparently not. Fuck the Puerto Rican workers, I guess, is their mentality. But I don't know. Maybe I'm cynical. You guys want me to have like a dead fish sent in my mailbox or something? <laughs> getting me to <laughs> yes. But, uh, Go off. Uh, redacted, it, it, redacted. Visit, it, it wouldn't be a visit to the podcast if I wasn't worried about a dead fish getting put in my mailbox. Yeah, damn right. <laughs> we ask the hard <laughs> questions. Um, um, you know, the, the, the UTR has been very active. The, the UTR and other organizations held um, uh, like an Occupy the Capitol, not like a January 6th Occupy the Capitol, more like an Occupy Wall Street version of Occupy the Capitol um, over the summer uh, to protest Luma Energy. uh, La Utier has also offered uh, or presented several legal challenges to Luma. uh, So the the Utier Union is still very active. Um, However, what I think is most powerful is seeing uh, the workers go viral, um, seeing their workers 
uh, on TikTok, for example, and on social media that have been displaced since Luma has come in um, and showing the jobs that they're doing now, now that they're not working in the electric field and saying, you know, this is what I'm doing and I could be helping you restore electricity, but I'm not. And now somebody that's not at all, that doesn't even know how our electric grid works or the terrain of Puerto Rico, which is very difficult, is now going to have to do that for you. Um, we've had several instances in Puerto Rico of uh, electrical workers dying because of the dangerous situations that Luma has put them in. Several homes have burnt down because people are yeah. you know, putting cables together that aren't the right ones. They just don't have the experience, right? Um, and then we have all of these blackouts of the past week and workers saying, we want to help you. We wish we could help you. We could not. And I, and I think that really is going to be um, an, an essential piece to our resistance is getting the general public that's not in the union to see these, you know, these people in the union, they're really here to help me. Um, because La Boutier has gotten a bad rap, mm. you know, that, oh, they're the reason why electricity is so high is because the union is stealing everything. You know, that that's the argument the right wing has made. Um, and I think Luma at least gives the UTR and gives the union electric workers the opportunity to retake the narrative about what it means to be in the electric workers union in Puerto Rico. Would you say, sorry, if I could follow up on that, would you say you've seen some of that? Like has the, has the narrative begun to shift in UTR's favor? And I would also add to that, um, how has this been for the image of Penepe, right? Are average people who are experiencing blackouts and brownouts saying, wow, this fucking Penepe government or are people, once again, kind of as you referenced earlier, trying to give it the benefit of the doubt, like, okay, maybe things are getting better. Like how much of this has reached motherfucking Pierre Luisi is what I'm asking. Um, I do think it's not good. Pierre Luisi, you know, you don't want that when you're governor. Uh, just the same way when, you know, you're president, you don't want gas prices to raise. You don't want electricity price. You know, you don't want inflation when, you, when you're in office. You don't want any of those things to happen. Um, so I, I do think it is bad for Pierre Luisi. The PNP, um, since the privatization of energy in Puerto Rico is under a public-private partnership, the yep. um, PREPA technically still exists. Um, but PREPA is only in charge of the generation of, elect of electricity in Puerto Rico. However, that is going to start being privatized in December. Um, there's, I believe, seven different companies that are interested in taking wow. over the generation of energy in Puerto Rico, which is even more dangerous than Luma. Because if you think of generation, well, in Marigao up in the mountains, how profitable is it to generate electricity oh up there? Oh, my God. Well, it's maybe yeah, not all exactly. that profitable. And if you're a company, well, then maybe I don't want to do that. that. That's why electricity in Puerto Rico was nationalized to begin with, because there were no electric, electric companies that wanted to bring electricity up to the mountains because it just wasn't profitable. Wow. So um, since Energia Electrica, PREPA, is still in charge of generation, it's kind of giving Pierluisi and the PNP the scapegoat of, look, no, see, it really is Energia Electrica's fault. However, Luma is in charge of the operation, administration, restoration, reparation, and transmission of the electric grid. So it's saying, okay, so yeah, yes, Energia Electrica, they're, they're PREPA, they're the ones in charge of the generation, but who are the people that are in charge of fixing it? Who are the right. people maintaining it? There was a year-long transition process. Uh, there's been plenty of time to fix these things. Luma has the capacity to fix these things. However, I think that's something that's working in Pierluisi's favor is that they can still technically say that Energia Electrica Prepa still exists. And um, Luma's in charge of the budget as well, right? So no matter what yeah. um, Energia Electrica wants to do, if Luma doesn't like approve the funding for it, it won't get done, right? Is that correct? Exactly, exactly. That's... That's 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 fucking incredible. Yeah. So, sorry, I was gonna say something real quick and then I'll pass it over to UT. Um no, just reflecting on what you just said there, Paul. Wow. It's just amazing to me how much this entire situation is an example of like some of the most rank colonialism that exists in Puerto Rico, right? How the average person in the United States 
probably, in fact, not probably, definitely has no fucking idea that literally the average leftist in the United States, the average socialist in the United States, the average progressive in the United States has literally no idea that literally right now there are U.S.-based unions going to Puerto Rico, scabbing against Puerto Rican workers. And once again, an example of rank colonialism, rank imperialism, right? It makes me laugh my ass off, and I'm sure we'll talk about this a little bit later. Anybody in the United States who can try and say, oh, colony empire what are you talking about that's literally what's happening in this case literal colonialism literal imperialism sorry leroy you look very excited but i know t roy t was about to say something but okay go ahead leroy no i was okay right right before i kick it off to t i just want to follow up on something you said um also to a lot of the people out there you know the the smart people in the room the adults in the room who talk about the international proletariat about, you know, let's not talk about race. Let's not talk about this. Let's not talk about that. This is what happens when you don't take those things into consideration, when you don't take those secondary contradictions into consideration, when you don't talk about imperialism, colonialism. It's fine. We're all part of this big working class. But if you ignore these things, this is what you see. You see workers, unionized workers, scabbing against unionized workers. So, I don't know. Teen, go ahead. Sorry, well- man. It goes even deeper than that, too. I mean, look at the sources of Puerto Rico's energy. I mean, three-fourths of it comes from petroleum products. Do you want to take a wild guess how much oil is produced and refined in Puerto Rico? I'll give you a hint. It's a goose egg. Zero. So already you're dealing with, uh, you know, basically being forced to import oil uh, from, from outside sources. And because of that, it means it's directly... Uh, under the control of the United States, it's not like Puerto Rico can go for like competitive uh, rates on on oil, uh, you know, in order to even uh, to generate electricity. It's it's Jones so Act. we have. Well, that's part of it, no doubt. But it's just it's a great example of, of how of of the hidden side of, of colonialism, the hidden effects of it. You know, people will see this as, oh, the grid is falling apart. Oh, there's graft. Oh, it's, you know, it's corrupt politicians and corrupt local bureaucrats pocketing uh, funding either from San Juan or from the United States federal government. It's, it's even deeper than that. Because Puerto Rico has not been allowed to, to truly control its destiny, you know, in, in all facets, there, you know, we're the the islands are still kind of are wedded to this just to dirty energy. Yes, there have been, you know, there's phasing out coal soon. I, I believe that was uh, recently passed as part of this uh, this changeover uh, with uh, the grid. Uh, but coal only reflects about ten percent of Puerto Rico's uh, energy uh, sources. Um, renewables still are what like less than two percent. So you know, as we face the barrel of of Continuing climate disasters, which, as we know, have hit Puerto Rico, you know, severely, you know, we can't hide behind, we can't go away from that elephant in the room. We're still wedded to, you know, dirty energy that's controlled outside, regardless. Yeah, just real quick on that, like, even, 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 just to say, suppose that Puerto Rico keeps using dirty energy, fossil fuels or whatever, Trinidad has oil. Venezuela has oil. And the fact that Puerto Rico can't necessarily directly deal with these people directly is 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 criminal as well, even if we're going to keep the, the system in place. Um, and, and I think it's important, too, to bring up, uh, since you brought up renewable energy, the intersections between renewable energy and class mm. uh, and, and what that means yes. in the life of a regular Puerto Rican, including me, who is barely, barely middle class. Um, but the so the contract with Luma, so you're right, there's very little renewable energy in Puerto Rico. We have seen um, local self-sustainability efforts in some communities like Casa Pueblo and El Juntas. Yeah. But in terms of overall, uh, very little, very little is actually solar energy or any type of renewable energy for that matter. Uh, Luma has already expressed that they're not interested in pursuing renewable energy further. So really, Amazing. any any type of renewable energy will then have to come from the consumer. So in Puerto Rico, if you try to go solar, well, then that's going to come out of your pocket. You're going to have to pay a private company 
to put your you know, solar panels on your house and install them and you're going to have to pay for them and you're going to have to pay for them over the course of 30 years and you're going to have to pay a bunch of premiums and you're going to have to spend a lot of money on that. So if you're a middle class, upper middle class, wealthy Puerto Rican, well then no, the power outages are not going to affect you because you're going to have the money to have solar panels and you're going to have the ability to pay the monthly payments on your solar panels for the next 20, 30 years. If you are a working class Puerto Rican, you are not going to be able to... Um, have solar panels at your house. So you're going to be reliant on the fossil fuel energy that we're using here in Puerto Rico on this very unreliable grid. And you are going to be the person that is subject to the constant power outages. But then also what's that mean for productivity? If you have, you know, if you have a bodega, if you have, you know, if you're running a little mom and pop diner and you don't have the money for solar panels, if you don't have the money for a generator and you have to close every time you lose electricity for a day, or if you're a working class person and you lose the groceries that are in your fridge because you don't have a generator and you don't have solar panels and you have to go out and buy food for your family again for the week, this is, you know, this is not just a colonialism issue. This is a, this is a class issue as well. And right. Maria de Lourdes right. Santiago, our, our party vice president um, and, and uh, Peeps chairwoman in the Senate, she's said on multiple occasions and it and it's and it speaks to me every time is that she says what's happening with luma energy is just once it's just one part of a greater project to make puerto rico inhabitable yeah. for puerto ricans yeah you know and 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 not even is it that yes it's hard for working class people to live in puerto rico because the highways are privatized, so you have to pay like $13 to travel an hour to Ponce or because the energy grid is privatized or because they've closed all the public schools in your neighborhood. It's the trauma. It's the trauma of getting up every day and knowing that you don't have money to put food on the table and the food that you do have, you could lose it at any moment. Or if you don't know if you'll be able to work today to make money to bring it home because you don't know if where you work is going to have electricity that day. This, this is... I don't even have words for the type of conditions that it is uh, in Puerto Rico right now. And in, in just not even the, the physical taxation, but the emotional, the, the emotional tax that it takes on people as well. It's just extremely great. It's, you know, it, we, it's a constant theme uh, on our show, but in many respects, Puerto Rico is pointing to the future, both the good and the bad. So we see on the one end climate disasters, underfunded social services, apps, you know, constant austerity on the uh, that's on one hand. And then on the other hand, we also see these remarkable acts of resistance, these incredible uh, organizations. And, and, you know, you mentioned Casa Pueblo um, organizations like that. So you, we see Puerto Rico shows us the, uh, both promise and fear. We 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 see it all at one time uh, uh, on the islands. It's it's you know if if people don't want to know what's coming down the line for your, you know for your community if you're not from Puerto Rico if you're in the United States for example, um, look at Puerto Rico, man, because you know that that they will show you what you know our ruling class is trying to impose on everyone, but then also. Puerto Ricans can teach us how to resist. Yo, there's a couple different things I, I want to add here. You know, want to add to those comments there too. You know, uh, Paul, you mentioned them. You know, the project here. You know, that Maria Dolores, you know, mentioned is making it inhabitable for Puerto Ricans. Right. This is something I've said for a while too. Is that one of the goals is turning Puerto Rico into like a, a Caribbean Dubai, right? Just a place for rich people to just do yeah. rich people bullshit, right? Literally make it impossible <laughs> for anybody to actually live there. You know, and like to me. When I have this conversation with you, Paul, when I talk to you both, T and Leroy, about Puerto Rico on a regular basis, this shit is so fucking depressing and maddening. Like it, it, it words can't even yeah. like describe it, right? Like it may when I hear you say these things, Paul, when I hear you describe to me them making it inhabitable for people for Puerto Ricans to live in Puerto Rico, it only doubles my resolve to rematriate, to literally say, fuck this, I'm moving back out of spite, you know? 
out of spite. You know, just we can't because we cannot let these colonizer motherfuckers win. Well, well, that's why I live there. Every every time I call home, my mom's like, she's like, pero lo pasa bien mind. Uh-huh. She's like, you're having a horrible time. I said, yeah, but I don't want to give anybody the satisfaction. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. That I'm not there. Uh, so I, I understand. I completely understand, Austin. Exactly. We have to persist. God damn it. We have to persist. So, so now that we've got a bit of context on, you know, on Luma itself, uh, tell us, go, if you could like go a little bit more in detail of, of when the recent blackout started, like where have they been focused and then kind of, you know, there were protests yesterday. Uh, what are the organizations involved? Uh, are they planning more stuff? Um, Definitely. Uh, so, like I said, the Sunday blackouts. So, black blackouts have been occurring always in Puerto Rico, uh, but especially under Luma, uh, the Centro de Periodismo Investigativo, the Center for Investigative Journalism, uh, came out with an article uh, saying just that, evidencing that yes, there has been a visible, verifiable, measurable increase in power outages since Luma has took over. Um, but the big ones uh, were on Sunday, uh, where the seaweed allegedly caused half, like half the power in Puerto Rico to go out or something. Um, even though workers from the UTR were actually going online and evidencing how there was more than enough capacity to completely uh, generate electricity in the whole island, yeah. that was the excuse, right? It was the seaweed. Uh, so that created several blackouts throughout the week. Um, causing uh, this protest to be uh, organized for yesterday. Uh, the original organizer was the MST, Movimiento Socialista de Trabajadores. Uh, the second group to add on to that was the BIP, um, which I, of course, belong to. And then later other groups such as the MIN, El Movimiento Independentista Nacional Oficiano, uh, Sacabrano Bromesa, a bunch of a bunch of leftist uh, groups in Puerto Rico joined for this protest. Uh, there is another protest planned for the fifteenth. Uh, in terms of who's organizing it, that's a big unknown. We actually don't know who's organizing it. It was just somebody put on the internet that let's all do this protest on the fifteenth, and it's kind of, you know, spread throughout the internet. Uh, so that, that one, I don't know who to take credit for. It hasn't happened yet. Uh, so I guess we'll see what happens on the 15th. I, I do find it concerning, though, that nobody is taking credit for the organization of it itself. Um, and there are several events planned. Uh, Maria de Lourdes is actually uh, going to be doing a Facebook Live. Uh, it'll be part yeah. in person, part on live, uh, to talk about specifically with... Uh, a former president of the UTR about what the privatization of generation means. Like Luma's bad. If they actually go and privatize the generation of Prepa, it's going to be much, much worse. Uh, so that's an event planned. And I, and I think that's going to be a lot of it. You know, like how I was saying earlier, UTR workers on social media explaining to people how they've been displaced, how they're not being able to do the type of work that they should be doing. Um, political leaders like Maria de Lourdes inviting union leaders to come and educate people on what does the privatization of the generation means. I really think that's the next step of the organizing phase is the teaching phase um, yeah. and getting other people um, that are not a part of the labor struggle, that are uh, not a part of any leftist group in the island to say, this, you know, this is real life for me. I can make a connection with this. Uh, this is why I should uh, support the nationalization of our electric grid. Yeah, hundred percent. And I think, and I think we we spoke about it last time you were on as well. One of the, at least in my opinion, one of the unfortunate results of the um, verano de 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 like the summer of two thousand nineteen, the hurricane Anuncia, was that everyone came out in the streets, and you know, Ricky Rosselló eventually resigned. But it sort of lost esteem because it wasn't necessarily tied to anything, at least on a grand scale. Obviously, um, El Pip, you know, uh, MST, like those groups 
have a material concern of like where all this stuff comes from. But I think on a grand scale, it wasn't necessarily connected to anything bigger than that. And which is why that revolutionary fervor sort of lost its steam. Um, I think by doing exactly what you said, by educating the masses, by even bringing in people who aren't necessarily on the left, just everyday Puerto Ricans who aren't necessarily political and explain to them, like, this is going to, you know, be very, very bad material. You think it's bad now, it's going to be even worse. I think that'll go a long way to achieving the goals in the end. Um, could you maybe speak speak on that? Like, what do you think would, what would you think would be the road to get a mass movement to actually kick Loom out, to actually get, I mean, it's going to, it feels impossible, but to work towards a na- complete nationalization of the grid. And what's the likelihood of that? Well, the contract for Luma is 15 years. Uh, so I, I do I do think that's a positive. Even though 15 years is a very long time, we know that there is a possible expiration date, right? We know, we know that this isn't a forever thing, that this contract can be ended. Um, hopefully it's not in 15 years. Hopefully it's much sooner than that. Um, but, but I think that is something that we can cling to and that we can organize around. Uh, I do think, like I said, a lot of it is going to have to be the education piece. Uh, I hope that we're able to do that well. And I hope that it doesn't take things to get worse for people to say, Hey, this is no, this is actually really messed up. And what we had was better. Um, I think it'll be interesting to see the developments of what happens. Um, if generation of the energy is privatized, uh, because like I said, so this is Luma's scapegoat right now is no, it's actually Prepa's fault. It's actually Prepa's fault. It's actually Prepa's fault. And when it's no longer Prepa's fault, what happens then? Exactly. Whose fault is it then? Uh, does it then become the governor's fault? Because really, so like Luma, for example, is, is raising electricity 16%. And people are saying, oh, well, Pierre Luisi should come against it. Well, Luma's a private company. Pierre Luisi, Luma doesn't respond to Pierre Luisi. You know, it's like Pierre Luisi saying, well, I want to speak to the manager. Well, maybe the manager will give you a discount, but the manager doesn't have to give you a discount, right? (laughs) You know, so so is is, is Pierre Luisi like our Karen now? Like, like who, 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 he he wouldn't do it. He wouldn't do it anyway, but uh you know, so, so, so I think that'll be interesting in that next phase. We need to see uh, what, what that's going to look like if they do end up achieving that. I, I don't, and like I said at the beginning of the podcast, this isn't going to be like a Ricky Renuncia where it's over in two weeks. Yeah. We're going to have to plan a long-term struggle yeah. around this that's very focused on tying it into the issues of the working class, tying in that political education piece, and then proposing what a depoliticized nationalized public energy authority looks like because there were some very severe issues with energia electrica before it was privatized all of them were self-inflicted by the political class so how do we keep that from happening again you know the a public energy grid is the best solution it's the only solution but then what yeah. do we you know how, how do we assure people that all the bad things that happen to it aren't going to happen again and that they do deserve a better quality service. I, I think that is how we need to frame the, the struggle moving forward. Fantastic. That's, that, that's great. Um, has there been like, what, what has the pushback look like against all of this? Like, cause obviously Puerto Rico is a very, you know, polarized political situation and there's going to be people out there who are going to be defending Luma and the privatizations and the PNP and Pierre Luisi, whatever, and obviously going against all los Pelú protestando la fortaleza, whatever. Like, how has that compared to maybe during Enrique Renuncia? Or is this different somehow with, with the pushback? I think the... The pushback is always the same, uh, you know. Oh, these are leftist destabilization agents taking yeah. advantage of the situation to try and overthrow the government, and you know that that has always been there. Um, there's been a couple tweets that I've seen. I'm sure you've seen them as well. Um, 
of someone who shall not be named saying, look at all the light blue Puerto Rican flags that uh, they're all independentistas, revolutionaries, yeah. look at them. And it's like, no, these are just actually a lot of people uh, pissed off about Luma. But then, yes, if you look at the groups that, you know, did the call to action, well, yeah, they're all independentista groups, so it makes sense that they're going to have independentista, yeah. you know, uh, propaganda, well, not propaganda, materials and, and flags and, you know, things that represent their, their organization. By uh, the way, she since um, deleted her, her Twitter, or at least closed it. I, I, I saw that. I saw yeah. that. I was like, I didn't. I didn't think I did anything for her to block me. So nah. uh, I figured it must have been erased. But um, <laughs> it's uh, so you know the, the the pushback has been typical, and, and and like I've been saying, you know, there's been the whole well, it's actually Energia Electrica. We'll see what happens a, a few months from now if that continues to be the case. Um, I do think it is different from. Reiki Renuncia in the way that it was uh, it was people from all parties uh, saying how, how this this was unacceptable. Um, for me, really, the only pushback within the PNP about Luma has been Jennifer Gonzalez, which uh, is absolutely crazy. Uh, you know, that, that could be her trying to position herself as a primary opponent to Pierluisi later on, so that that's how she can differentiate herself in the future yeah, primary. Um, but in terms of, you know, making it a really all-inclusive, all of Puerto Rico is saying, yes, we're against this. We haven't gotten there yet. Um, like, like I said, this is going to be a long-term struggle. We're going to have to see what happens. It's going to depend a lot on the power outages. It's going to depend a lot on how much the, the price of energy increases. It's going to depend if the companies that try to privatize generation, if they just decide that maybe we're just not going to give people energy in areas where it's not profitable for us. Yeah. Um, there, there's going to be a lot of factors that will depend on you know how, how big this really gets. Yo, I'm... I don't want to switch gears too hard here. So, T, if you have a question, feel free to chime in. But I, I was going to say, like, I'm super curious to know, like, last time we had you on was obviously during, uh, oh, gosh, it was, what, a year ago at this point? feels like it was almost 30 years ago, if I'm going to be honest. But a year ago when we had you on, it was election season, right? You know, there was optimism. Peep had his best showing in, like, 50 years or whatever. You mentioned political education, right? You mentioned tying this into a message of, I would say sovereignty and, you know, self-sustainability, right? What have things looked like for, at least from your perspective, what you've seen on the ground, people's perspectives toward independence and toward the independence party, especially in relation to once again, what we talk about earlier is pretty much like blatant colonialism. Now, obviously I know the average Puerto Rican doesn't necessarily view it that way, but I feel like once again, as an independentista, the it, it's glaring. Right. So I'm very curious what if if at all that has affected any like perceptions toward independence or, or peep. Well, I think there's a lot more. Respect for us. Uh, than there used to be, uh, maybe people aren't ready to say that they're going to vote for us yet, but they are saying, well, you know what you got, you know, you guys are a little crazy, but you're, you're right most of the time. You know, um, you know, I, I was uh, I was in a cab the other day and the guy was saying to me, he's like, you know, and, and it was very interesting. So, so the cab driver, he's, you know, I, I, I'm leaving. I'm leaving the beep. I have a bunch of peep flags because I'm, I'm getting ready to bring them over to the protest on Friday. And he's asking me, he's like, where what are you doing with all those peep flags? It's like, where, where do you even get them? And I was like, no, you know, like. I've got him, you know. Uh, so he start and he he starts talking about Luma, and he starts talking to me about the situation in the island, and he and he, he starts to get angry, but but not at me. And he's like, you know, and he apologizes. He says, "I'm sorry." He said, "I just don't like to live like this. Mm. I, I don't like wow. to live where there's power outages. I don't like to live where this is happening." And he said, "You know what? I think Dalmau is right." Mm. And he said, "If Dalmau." runs again then he needs to be the he needs to be the governor mm. um you know 
And he said, and it's not just Dalmau. He was like, you know, I'm realizing now when Rubén Berrios was running 20, 30 years ago, maybe he was right back then too. Um, so so I, I think that's changing. The level of respect, uh, the level of openness that people have to us. One of my very good friends, when I first met him, he was like, Benepe, 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 you know, very pro-statehood, very right-wing. And he, and he would talk to me. And I, I, and I would say to him, Mira, you're actually independentista and you're actually a socialist. You just don't know it. And he was like, oh, how could it? I was like, everything you're saying is the perfect argument for independence and for socialism. You just don't know it yet. Um, <laughs> and now, um, you know, he, he he's an educator. He voted against the, the AMPR AFT deal where the American Federation mm. of Teachers was trying to enforce pension cuts on Puerto Rican teachers. Um, he, which is a whole other, that, that, that could be a whole other episode. Um, but, uh, <laughs> you know, he, he, he voted that down and then he was, you know, starting to evolve politically more openly. And I said, ah, pero tu eres independentista ahora, tu eres del PIB. And he was like, no, not yet, not yet. Don't get your hopes up. Right. So, so there's nothing, even if people aren't ready to say, yes, I, I want to be part of the PIB. Although that's changing too, we've got fifteen percent. We have youth committees in, mm. in uh, almost every municipality on the island, and in every region, we have you know organized youth committees and committees in every municipality. But the level of people that before were very anti-peep are now becoming passive supporters of the peep, and I and I, I think that is a really really good place to be in uh, three years away from another general election. Yo. Real quick, that's so fascinating, and that's exactly why I asked that question, you know, because like I said, I feel like the causes are glaring, right, for why these sorts of issues are happening that disrupt the average life of your average Puerto Rican, right? Like, I think it's, I mean, obviously, once again, I know we are in our, you know, leftist, dare I say, independentista echo chamber or whatever, but like, I feel like I look at what happened is happening with Luma, right? I look at how the Penepe are reacting or Pierre Luis are reacting. And once again, this is, it is clear to me that once again, this is rank colonialism, right? And you mentioned people coming around, not just to maybe not just the message of independence, but generally the platform of the independence party, right? Which I'm sorry, is just objectively the most progressive, the most left-wing platform of any of the political parties on the island, right? So like, and once again, I feel like that's merely an objective fact. So, it's good to hear that, to hear that, you know, average people are beginning to come around to the message of the Independence Party and perhaps around to independence as well. Because, like, when I look, and I we've talked about this a lot on the podcast, right? When I look at the vote totals from the election last year, I think, wow, like, Peep right now has such an opportunity to do such major to do a couple different things, to do such major infrastructure building, right? But also to do, to engage in political education across the island, right? Especially during opportunities like this, right? Especially when, when, oh my God, it's, it's unconscionable what's happening right now with the blackouts. It's fucking unconscionable. Um, and I know I've talked to you extensively off, off the air, Paul, about the amazing works uh, that Peep is also doing in the diaspora now as well. That's incredible. But I could gush about the Independence Party for a while, so I will stop. I, I like when you gush about us. Yeah. <laughs> Listen to the podcast. Just another podcast episode, Austin talking for one hour about the Peep. that. I, I would listen Don't even that. tempt me. I know T and Leroy just heard you say that and said, oh, God, Paul, you shouldn't have said that. <laughs> Cause that, cause that will literally happen. No, hundred percent. And the thing is just, just quickly to you before I kick it off to you. One thing I've always said is if you're going to be a fascist, if you're going to be a right winger, if you're going to be pro statehood, if you're going to be what anything that, if you're going to bash socialism, you're going to bash a certain political party, make sure you do it from an informed position. So if you're going to be Penepe for the rest of your life, you're going to support pro statehood, go to a, a PIP political education seminar class or whatever learn what they're about and if you're still anti that at least you're coming away more you know don't don't just approach these things these issues from a place of ignorance from a place of like what's 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 the phrase like you're you believe in this because you were raised to believe in this you know what i mean like if you that's fine you believe that it's fine do it from an informed position i always say so i just kind of wanted to follow up 
Paul, on what you were saying about uh, about Peep's um, work on the on the islands. Are so you're? I, I'm assuming from the sound of it, like you y'all have broadened um, your political organizing to include kind of the you know it's it's independence and these bread and butter issues. Is that really is that the source of the newfound respect you're getting? Is the fact that you know basically you're all y'all are always the ones who are there now like y'all um when something like this happens like oh we know that uh the independence party is going to be there well i I, the the beep has always been there uh i think right um if you if you go back to when romero barcelo was uh expropriating entire poor working class communities in the 70s uh and even Asesino. started in the 60s but romero you know romero really ramped that up and hernandez colon as well it was the beep uh that organized to help protect those communities back then it was the beep that organized in vieques it's the beep that organized against the toxic ashes in Penuelas, always on the side of marginalized communities we were the first party in puerto rico to have a pro lgbt platform that got people like Maria de Lourdes Santiago declared enemies of the state by the Catholic Church because the Catholic Church decides who's an enemy of the state. Uh, <laughs> so the PEEP has been a part of that struggle, uh, has been a part of the working class struggle, has consistently had a working class platform for decades and often at a political price to ourselves, but never mm. losing the fact that the working class struggle is where, is, is where we need to be at. Um, I do think there is an openness now, right? That the peep was always there and the peep and people would come to the peep for help. But then at the end of the day, well, we know you will help us, but independence, we're not ready for that yet. We, we, we don't, we're, we're, you know, the, 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 the fear behind independence. I think that's changing because what, what were we told? Well, you're, if we're independent, you're going to die of hunger and there's not going to be electricity and, and the economy is going to be in shambles and everything that they said would happen if we're independent is now happening in the United States. Yeah. <laughs> a, a lot of the beeps growth is from the youth. And, and, and I think about it, I think of these, uh, these uh, kids that voted for the first time. If you're 18 years old in Puerto Rico, you have no living memory of a time in Puerto Rico that was not in an economic depression. Mm-hmm. Not one. Exactly. So when that is your whole life and you're being told, oh, well, well with independence, you know, it's, it, you're, you're going to live in extreme poverty and you're never going to have a job and everything's going to be horrible and you're going to be hung. No, we have that now. Uh, so so I, I think the dynamic um, and the way they have the conversation is changing. Um, but the beep has always been committed to independence. We've always been committed to the working class struggle. Um, I, I think people... Um, are more receptive to hearing what we have to say now. I do think there are, uh, the, the party needs to continue to be guided by that. I do think our base work needs to be rooted uh, in mutual aid with these communities. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think that'll be very important, and I think that'll help us a lot moving forward as well. No, yeah, real fantastic, real quick. That's that's a bit. Sorry, I was just gonna, I was just gonna gush for a minute here because I loved everything that I just heard. It makes me, dare I say, almost optimistic for the future, right? Like if you'd have just rewound two years in time and told me, oh, by the way, the peep is gonna have like an amazing showing in 2020 and like actually like build up a base, I wouldn't have believed it, right? No offense, Paul. No offense to the party, right? I wouldn't have believed it. So once again, did live in this universe where that has happened and we're building and the party is building more and building toward like an actual place where there's an actual base for the party, right? And people are beginning to wake up to the bullshit. That is the Commonwealth, the colony status or whatever, the the fake, as we say, carrot and stick approach from the Penepe and the statehood movement, right? I think more and more it's just – it is unavoidable that every single one of Puerto Rico's issues, every single one of them, derive from the colonial status. It's unavoidable, right? It's absolutely unavoidable, and I think it's critically important once again to be emphasizing, once again, folks engaging in political education to actually learn, learn about what the hell independence really means, Right? What does it really mean? Because my world, right? Independence, as we mentioned at the top of the podcast, gives Puerto Rico the ability to actually negotiate with its neighbors, 
right? To actually be able to get resources for its people that are not wholly dependent on the Metropole, right? I see, Leroy, you're getting really excited. I know you love the word Metropole, so I will pass it over to you, Leroy. But on that point, it's like um, Juan Ben Mao said, like independence isn't about leaving the United States. It's about joining the world, right? So that speaks exactly to exactly what you're saying. Sorry for interrupting. Go ahead. Right. Um, no, and and, um, and that brought me back to an earlier point that I, in my own peep gushing, I lost my train of thought. Um, but maybe why this receptiveness hasn't been there before. Uh, Ruben Berrios uh in one of his interviews talks about how in the sixties he's coming back from college and he's an economist now. And he starts going around Puerto Rico and giving the speech about how great the economy would be under independence. And he's so sure that this is what's going to bring independence to Puerto Rico is this, this speech. And people would say, would say to him back then he was in his twenties. So they call him Rubencito and they say, that's nice Rubencito. Uh, you're very smart. Uh, no, you know, the, <laughs> we're, we're not, we're, we, don't, we don't actually want to pursue this. And, and in this interview, Ruben says, and that's when I realized the conditions had to be there, that you can have the best platform, you can have the best positions, but if the conditions are not there for people to be receptive to you, uh, that's not going to do anything. So, so like I was saying, you know, you have people that have no living memory of Puerto Rico without an economic depression. I think uh, the conditions are there for that. Um, and Austin, since you're talking about decolonization, uh, I, I don't think it's enough to say colonialism is bad because once you convince people colonialism is bad, well, then you open the door for, well, what are the other options? And there are other options, right? You know, statehood is an option. You could say that free association is an option. Uh, independence is an option. All of the alternatives, you know, you need to think of them as a toolbox. And statehood might give you a couple tools free association might give you a couple tools. Independence gives you all of the tools that you need to become a fully functioning, fully integrated nation with society and the rest of the world. Uh, and that is why we support independence. That's uh, a very good way to put it. You know, and if, and if you think about Luma and if you put Luma into context with decolonization right now, especially for progressives and leftists in the United States, you know, decolonization is like, you know, the, the word of the month and, and everybody's talking about it now, you know, it's, it's, it's out there. And how can you pursue, how can you really pursue decolonization in the United States when Luma, which controls all of our electric energy and 70% of our water sources? Yeah is under the hands of one American company. How? How, how, how can you honestly say, oh yeah, we, we've been bad to the Puerto Ricans, let's decolonize them, but we're gonna own 70% of your water and all of your energy. And they also own the energy authority and they also control large sectors of our education because of the charter school system and many of the charters that have come into Puerto Rico are American corporations and American NGOs. And if you think that they're going to teach about the bad history of the United States of America in those schools, that's not going to happen. You know, they, they, they own our highways, they own our airport. So how, how can you say we're going to decolonize these people in a fair process where every alternative gets equal footing and equal ground when they own everything? That, that, yeah. that, that's completely ludicrous. So if we're going to talk about, well, let's decolonize Puerto Rico, Yes, decolonize Puerto Rico. Yes, explore every option and make sure that we have the ability to make an informed decision about our political status. But that also means that you need to give us back our energy grid. You need to right. give us back our roads. You need to give us back our schools. You need to give us back our ferries. That's what decolonization is. That's what reparations is. That that that. So any any sort of conversation from the left or from progressives in the United States that says yes, self determination now for Puerto Rico. Well, no, you also need to be talking about Luma. You also need to be talking about HMS Ferries. You also need to be talking about charters. You also need to be talking about uh, highways and, and water and everything. It, it, it's everything. It's all encompassing, uh, which is why the podcast is important to talk about how broad, you know, how deep colonization is in Puerto Rico. Uh, it's critical. Podcasts are good. One, exactly. Um, 
Paul 1000%. And which is why we always say that independence without being anti-capitalist, without being anti-imperialist is pointless. Because if you look at other, like places that we talk about all the time, like let's talk about like, uh, Colombia. Colombia is an independent country, but are they really sovereign? Are they really you know, their own thing? Or are they still being used as puppets by the United States? You know what I mean? Because as an independentista, that's not an independence that I want. Like, we need to tie our independence to anti-capitalism, anti-imperialism, to make sure that once Puerto Rico is independent, Puerto Rico owns Puerto Rico. You know what I mean? It's not saying, like, Puerto Rico para Puerto Ricanio. You know what I mean? Not Puerto Rico still controlled by, like, foreign capital. There's there's a uh, a great quote that uh, from James Connolly, the you yes. know the great Irish uh, revolutionary leader from a century ago. Uh, it's a little bit of a long quote, but it's it's apropos to this point. Um, quote: If you remove the English army tomorrow and hoist the green flag over Dublin Castle, unless you set about the organization of the Socialist Republic, your efforts will be in vain. England will still rule you. She would rule you through her capitalists, through her landlords, through her financiers, through the whole array of commercial and individualist institutions she has planted in this country and watered with the tears of our mothers and the blood of our martyrs. Yes. Yeah. Boom. We love it. So, yo. That's... Sorry, Leroy. No, I was going to say that's the Irish Puerto Rican solidarity there. So. You're damn right it is. <laughs> I was going to say we're... We're at the hour mark, right? So I, I feel like the last thing that I would want to ask Paul is once again, what, what should people in the United States or you know in the rest of the world be thinking about moving forward? Right? Is there anything in particular that people should be thinking about or, or paying attention to? Right? Or any once again final thoughts for what this extremely, extremely still developing situation like? Uh, what do you think it'll be looking like? Um, if that makes sense. I, I I think anything can happen. Uh, politics is weird. Uh, Puerto Rican politics can get a little weirder. Uh, so so I don't know where this will end up. I know where I would like to see it end up. Um, and I'm going to do everything that I can. And I know that my comrades and, and, and the organizations that I organize in are going to do everything they can to make sure that it happens. Um, I think for Americans, it's, it's very, uh, sometimes I struggle with that question is, is, is what can Americans really do to be in solidarity with Puerto Rico? I, I think, like I was saying, you know, it's not enough to say, well, I support some sort of decolonization when all the, you know, all the cards are stacked in favor of either perpetuating colonialism or annexation, which is perpetuating yeah. colonialism so yeah. it's it, it, it you know you can you can talk about wanting an all-inclusive process that's in solidarity with the puerto ricans and really if you want to do that well then you should you should be supporting independence because that's what that does um however for americans moving forward uh talking you know talking about Luma and reading about Luma and reading about what happens with the ferries and all of the other things I mentioned. Um, if you are a union worker, uh, talking about union colonialism, getting your union caucuses to organize against uh, union colonialism. Uh, you know, I, I mentioned very briefly the the American Feder Federation of Teachers, which was trying to push pension cuts on the teachers. Uh, the Moore Caucus in New York City uh, of the UFT has been very vocal in uh, approving resolutions against union colonialism and in solidarity with Puerto Ricans, um, doing solidarity work with the radical teachers unions and caucuses in Puerto Rico. Um, so there is precedent uh, of union workers, you know, not just teachers, but, you know, also in, in uh, other unions, especially in the electric field of organizing in solidarity with Puerto Rico. Uh so, so that's also an important step. So, so there's, there's things that can be done. Um, but you know, I, I don't have like a www.supportpuertoricans.com. Uh, a PNP is going to make that. Oh now. no. Uh, oh. <laughs> you better believe it. You better believe it. God, yeah, they would. But, 
uh, it's just sad. Just quickly, we didn't even get to talking about the Bandit Bay this week and all the shit that's been going on. It's just been a very sad series of weeks, like just complete L's for them. But um, we'll we'll say that for a different show. Um, Paul, I don't like. Thanks for coming on. Anyway, so, hey, th- there you go. We're talking. We're, we're here to gush about the 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 peep, not the Bandit Bay. So we're we're prioritizing the peep here. But like I was saying, Paul, thanks for coming on. Always. Always a pleasure having you on, dear friend and comrade of the show. Again, if you listen to us, if you're Puerto Rican, if you're not Puerto Rican, listen to what Paul has to say because everything he's saying is correct. Be in solidarity with Puerto Rico, all lies on Puerto Rico, because a lot of the things that y'all enjoy in the United States has a direct negative effect on what's going on in Puerto Rico as well. So just be aware of everything that's going on. Um, if you support what Paul does and everything, have a look at... Um, at him the stuff he puts out he wrote you know brilliant article basically on everything we talked about today uh, we'll, we'll link to it it's pretty pretty good if you want to see everything like sort of written down in written word of course obviously um if you support what we do again if you want access to our book club um the discord community the after dark episodes we haven't put out one in a while but i think we're going to be recording one today hopefully um consider showing your solidarity on our, on our patreon patreon.com slash machete mate um thanks for tuning in also i didn't mention at the top um shout out and solidarity with all the people in brazil today they came out in full force against bolsonaro so fora bolsonaro um much solidarity massive protests all over the country which is which is always positive to see um pero with that said um thanks for tuning in till next time y hasta la victoria thank you thank you for having me yes thank you paul of course peace Later, y'all.